Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Storytime with Bron. Today I'll be reading another few stories that were published in Teapot Tales, Volume 3, a collection of unusual fairy tales. Uh, first off will be The Lonely Dragon, which was originally written in 1999 and published on my website under the name of Opal Fire. In those days I was writing po- poetry and sharing my stories. Over time, I temporarily misplaced the ending of the story. When I set about to write for Teapot Tales, I decided to create a whole new ending and the original story was only ever in draft form anyway, so it's had a whole new reimagining. Um, but both versions will be available to read over time. So I will start now with The Lonely Dragon. The Lonely Dragon by Bronrauk Mitchell Once upon a time, as all the best tales start, there lived a dragon by the name of Jafia. Jafia was so named by his parents after the rare blue flame that dragons of yore were rumoured to possess. He was a beautiful sight to behold, especially in the sunlight. Every shade of blue imaginable sparkled across his body, and his wings were almost opalescent. His amethyst eyes glinted with gold flecks. Amongst his kind, Jafia was not a rarity, for every colour of the rainbow was represented among the, amongst their numbers. He was loved, not only by his parents, but by the rest of the clan. He never once felt alone or unloved, for dragons on the whole are loving creatures. It is a shame to say, though, that dragons have a reputation for being terribly nasty and frightening beasts. This is far from the truth, as dragons are peaceful creatures, although there are a few exceptions to this rule. Jafia was no more nasty and frightening than a newborn babe. Indeed, that is what he was. A baby dragon that was soon to be left entirely alone as bounty hunters cruelly slaughtered his parents and the rest of their clan. Jafia was hungry, injured and all alone in a frightening world that did not understand dragons. Because of their size, their sharp teeth and claws and their unfortunate habit of breathing fire, dragons were believed to be vicious killers. They were hunted down almost to the point of extinction. Jafia didn't know if there were any other dragons left. Perhaps he was the only dragon left in the entire world. That was a very frightening thought for a baby dragon. He cried until his eyes stung. He fell asleep, softly whimpering to himself and reaching out to snuggle the parents that were no longer there. The birds and animals that lived nearby heard his anguished sobs and they gathered together to watch over him while he slept. They knew that, being an orphan dragonette, Jafia would have no idea how to find food, and so they agreed to look after him. They cuddled up to him during his first long lonely night. Over the next several weeks, Jafia realised that he would have died if it had not been for the kindness of his new friends. The smaller birds would fly down into the forest and bring back berries, bugs and roots. Jafia did not care for the bugs and roots, but he could not get enough for the berries. 
like a lot of children, he had a bit of a sweet tooth. However, berries were not enough to keep a growing dragon alive, and so the bigger birds would bring Jafiah small animals that they had killed. Jafiah liked this arrangement, as he was squeamish about hurting anything, even if he did have to eat. Jafiah liked to cook his dinner by breathing fire on it. He began to grow bigger until he became too big to play with his friends. When Jafiah became excited, he would laugh a dragon laugh and accidentally heat his friends. Not enough to do any lasting damage, but just enough to raise their temperatures uncomfortably. Jafiah tried to be gentle, but he was awkward on his feet. When he tripped over, his friends had to race out of the way or else they would have been squashed. Jafiah soon saw that he was a potential danger to his friends and decided that it was time to find out if there were any other dragons left in the world. He bid his friends a fond but teary farewell and set out on his journey. As his wings were still not fully developed, he travelled by foot. He travelled across mountains through forests and cool gurgling streams. He had several adventures along the way. Jafiah saw many birds, animals of all kinds, and even the occasional human, but he didn't see any other dragons. He began to lose hope. Was he the only dragon left? At times, Jafiah was so lonely that he cried until new ponds began to spring up from all the tears that he shed. But being the practical dragonette that he was, he dried his eyes and continued on his journey. Over this time, Jafiah had grown bigger, stronger, and was now less clumsy. Unknown to Jafiah, his dragon wings had also increased in strength and size and were now in proportion to the rest of his body. No longer were they unable to support his now immense build, but the membrane that formed his wings was now much thicker and tougher. Had his parents been alive, they would have taught Jafiah how to fly. One night, Jafiah was very tired and not paying attention to where he was walking. Earlier that day, he had unknowingly veered off his course and was now walking along the edge of a very tall cliff. He stumbled on some loose dirt and stones and found himself falling headlong over the edge of the cliff at breakneck speed towards the darkness below him. He did not know what lay at the bottom of the cliff. A valley with soft grass to land on? A deep raging river? Or something else altogether? As he fell faster towards the darkness, instinct took over, stirring an age-old memory. He spread his big strong wings, catching the draught of wind and pulling him back slightly allowing him to slow his momentum and giving him time to climb peacefully towards safety. He soared in lazy circles, enjoying the sheer magic of his new ability. Then something caught his eye. Bright, sparkling flashes in the darkness below. He lost focus, faltered and resumed his headlong fall towards the bottom of the cliff. Help! He screamed as the ground came rushing closer. Whoosh! 
Something flew close by and caught hold of him before he made contact with the ground. In shock, he looked into the most amazing golden-green eyes that he had ever seen. Dragon eyes. The dragon smiled gently at Jafia, and as he slipped into unconsciousness, Jafia realised he would never be alone again. To be continued. And now I will read to you The Apple, which is a slight variation on this Snow White tale, and part of something else that I'm working on. The Apple by Bron Rauch Mitchell Please, take a bite of the juicy apple, my dear, coaxed my neighbour, Agatha. I wearily shook my head. Just leave it beside the bed with all the others, I gestured to the ever-growing pile of edible gifts that concerned friends and neighbours had left for me. But you have to eat. You haven't eaten all day. Just a bite is all that I'm asking. After you taste this deliciously juicy apple, you'll not want to stop at that one bite. You'll want to eat the whole thing. Come on, you can do it. She all but pleaded, holding out the most delicious, mouth-watering apple that had ever existed outside of a fairy tale book. I wasn't hungry, not even a little bit. Agatha's apples were unusually delicious. It was almost magical. But not even her apples could tempt my appetite. Nothing could right now. Everything I ate or drank was violently thrown back up again. A food that was a favourite in the morning became vile and putrid later in the afternoon. Even water, when vomited back up, was vile. Unlike the other visitors and the staff, Agatha simply refused to take no for an answer. I promise you that the apple will make you feel better. Let the magic work for you. I croaked out a laugh. <laughs> Agatha, is that a poisoned apple? I asked. Something dark crossed over her face, but it was gone in a flash. You know how I dislike that story. Snow White was nothing but a spoilt, ungrateful brat, in my opinion. Her stepmama's apples weren't poisoned at all. They were magical, full of a healing elixir, just like my apples. She bit into the apple with relish. The crunch echoed through the room, and Agatha smiled. I sighed. I really did love Agatha, and her apples were delicious. But I knew I'd throw them right back up again, and then I would feel even worse for doing so. I sighed again and reached reluctantly for the apple. For the sake of peace, I agreed to have a nibble. Agatha rubbed her hands with glee, and a curious smile flickered at the corner of her mouth as I took a tentative nibble. It had smelled delicious, and the faintest pains of hunger were registering in my brain. Mmm, was the only sound that I could make as I took another bite. It was heavenly and my belly grumbled in appreciation. I took another bite, and then another, and before I knew it, I had finished the entire thing and was reaching for the next apple. I was so hungry that I barely chewed each bite before I swallowed and bit into the crisp, yet juicy flesh again. Oh, 
but to eat once more was glorious, and I couldn't stop at just one bite, nor two bites, and I was now eating a third apple. I was being way too greedy, but before I could slow down, a large piece of apple lodged firmly in my throat. I couldn't breathe. I tried coughing, but to no avail. The piece wouldn't budge. I felt helpless and desperately tried to gulp even the tiniest bit of oxygen into my lungs. My face grew tight as my cheeks heated up. I clawed desperately at my throat as if I could rip the apple out that way. I was losing oxygen, and the loss of consciousness would be soon. I looked around for Agatha, but she had mysteriously left the room. I panicked. Was I to die for an apple? Was this some sort of sick joke? As my vision darkened, spots danced about the room and I kicked my legs against the rails of the bed in a desperate attempt to attract attention. Where was Agatha? Why had she left the room? When had she left the room? Suddenly, I was grabbed roughly, turned over and whacked on the back. The piece of apple dislodged from my throat. As I spat the piece out, tears ran down my face and my throat felt raw. I was overcome by a coughing fit. Do I need to give you the kiss of life too, Ava? Agatha cackled. All I could do was lie down, gasping for breath and trembling violently. I was overcome by a huge wave of nausea, as the baby that I carried under my heart kicked violently, obviously disturbed by the recent reduction of oxygen. Dang my greed and damn this wretched morning sickness. It will be the death of me. And now for another story, The Magic of Teddy Bears. Inspired by my lifelong companion, Elizabeth, a black and white teddy bear that I have had since I was born. The Magic of Teddy Bears by Bron Rauch Mitchell Good evening. My name is Jez May. I am a well-loved and slightly worn teddy bear. I belong to Michelle Williams, a most delightful young girl. I would like to take this opportunity to talk to you about the life of a teddy bear. It is not all hugs and tea parties, but it is a wonderful life nonetheless. It is a well-kept secret that we teddy bears are the magical guardians of children everywhere, and we have a sworn duty to guide and protect to the best of our ability. Teddies are a promise to children everywhere that children will have a guardian by their side during childhood and beyond. It is our sworn duty to protect our children, not only when they slumber, but whenever they need us. We are the confidants of children worldwide, guiding our charges through the minefield of childhood. We soak up their tears, whisper words of love into their ears, and watch them as they slumber. We valiantly battle the monsters under the bed, in the closet, and in the realm of nightmares. Not every battle is won, but we have pledged to fight as valiantly as we can. After the battle is won or lost, we offer comfort to our charges, holding them tight until morning's light. Not all of our charges are appreciative of our sacrifices, but still, we must honour our sacred promise. Of course, not all teddies are honourable, 
Some neglect their duty, and over time their magic is lost. The magic can return, but it takes time, and the teddy bear must show renewed dedication and valour for this to occur. I was gifted to Michelle before she was even born. I have been there from the beginning, watching over her in the cradle. I have been by her side night after night for many years. The battles that I have fought for Michelle have been many. The monsters in the closet and under her bed surrendered many years ago and promised me that they would never return to frighten her or any other child for as long as we resided in that house. Occasionally they visit me and we reminisce over the battles that we fought against one another. However strong our courage, there are some battles that we cannot win, or at least, not that easily. Monsters from the realm of nightmares are not the worst creatures that we battle. Some teddies are gifted to children that need protection above and beyond our capabilities and our magic. For these children, our sacred bond is tested time and again. Our magic is designed to battle childhood monsters not to ward off real flesh and blood monsters. These monsters are more than a match for us, and there are some nights when we must use every skill at our disposal to battle these creatures. If we find that we are defeated, it becomes our priority to comfort our beloved charges. We try our utmost to banish their pain, at least for that moment. We murmur soothing words and croon lullabies, while our charges hold on to us for dear life and cry a deluge of tears into our fur. On these nights, our sworn bond is truly put to the test. Our courage may falter, our defeats may cause us to doubt our abilities, but still, we must provide comfort. Just when we believe that we have found the key to defeating them, these monsters return. There are some monsters that have been defeated, but many of us teddies watch on hopelessly, feeling as if we have betrayed those that we pledge to guard when we come across one we cannot win against. But still we fight, and at the very least, they are not alone. Many of us win our battles and are fortunate enough to be cherished by our children, even as they mature and become parents themselves. Our sacred promise carries over to the next generation and beyond until it is time to pass on the mantle and retire. I am fortunate. I have many years of service before me still, and Michelle has many wonderful plans for our life. The life of a teddy bear is most definitely not all tea parties and hugs, but it is a life of love and devotion, and I would not swap this life for any other. To be continued. I'll be back again on Wednesday with Poetry with Bron. As always, thank you. You've been swell.